0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works here for another episode of the flagship show. My name is Tom Adams. I'm currently in a little bit of a Thanksgiving food coma, not really moving around much over ate. Uh, didn't overdrink, thankfully, but you know the drill. It's always like this this time of year. Today, I am joined once again by uh, BPW and BFW's schnitzel. So schnitzel, how are you
1: doing? Uh, halfway across the globe i'm doing very well thank you for asking and i've been obviously following the premier league right now the games and it's been pretty exciting man city was the best time but i guess uh i should turn it off now and focus more on the pod outside of that uh i wish you and your family a happy thanksgiving and i hope you're having a good time out there Thank you. Thank
0: you. I appreciate it. Did get to see some family I haven't seen uh, since this uh, this thing called coronavirus has showed up and basically ruined a lot of things for a, a long period of time. But it's it was a great end of the week, per se, you know, from Thursday to yesterday, uh, Saturday, because we're recording on a Sunday. And as you mentioned, there's been a lot of great matches on. And, you know, speaking of Bayern, since we are a Bayern Munich podcast and a Bayern Munich website, uh, we came off of a 1-0 win, and perhaps that scoreline schnitzel flatters Armenia Bielefeld just a little bit. Uh, I remember when I was doing my live tweet for this one, a commenter had you know made the comment that a lot of goalkeepers just really seem to turn up in world-class form when they come to the Allianz Arena, where they play against Bayern, and that was pretty much the case for Stefan Ortega. Had it not been for him, I think that scoreline could have easily been 5-0, 6-0 Bayern Munich. Lewandowski could have had a brace or a hat trick, but As we know, he didn't, uncharacteristically, I should say, he did not find the back of the net uh, yesterday against Bielefeld. But that kind of rounded out what was a kind of a tricky and a difficult stretch for Bayern, right, Schnitzel? And so, I mean, we had a huge, huge debacle with a laundry list of players out and unavailable due to coronavirus quarantine, some of which we saw return yesterday, Niklas Sula and Jamal Musiala. But Nagelsmann has really been forced these past three matches against Bielefeld, Dinamo Kiev in the Champions League and a week before in the Bundesliga against Augsburg to really toy with the lineup out of necessity. And Schnitzel, I just want to get this this pod started. Like, I want to hear, how do you think he's handled pretty much a razor-thin squad with not much selection?
1: I think the situation with the squad is, like, highly undes- undesirable, especially considering so many important players. Like, Joshua Kimmich, he's, like one of the most important players at Bayern, and he is the midfield general. Without him, it's obviously been pretty difficult. And there's also the absences of Jamal Muziala and Serge Gnabry a week ago, and Chupa Moting, and, you know, Niklas Zula, obviously, who was uh, in quarantine because of COVID-19. So it's been very, very difficult. And the situation hasn't helped matters. All the controversy surrounding the unvaccinated players – And, you know, all this drama of the pitch, it's just uh, been a difficult time. But I would say that outside the Augsburg game, which was pretty disappointing, considering Bayern lacked, you know, a punch and they just didn't look like they were interested in getting out that win. It was a very uncharacteristic performance from them. They just looked, you know, without fans. But uh, the, the most recent two fixtures, the one uh, against uh, Armenia Bielefeld and Dina Mukhev, I think they were very professional wins. Uh, very, very dominant victories, especially the one against Armenia. Like you mentioned, the goal line definitely should flatter them because Bayern dominated. Make no mistake. We should have scored six or more goals, if not for Stefan Ortega. And this annoys me to no end, you know, goalkeepers turning up against Bayern in full form. It's almost like they will shit the bed against other teams and go out of their way to make sure that Bayern doesn't even score a single goal but I guess that just the owner should be on the Bayern attack to kind of come out of these situations. I like how Bayern handled it and Leroy Zane's goal was really good so overall Nagelsmann has done a pretty tidy job. It's nothing extraordinary but considering his squad has been paper thin it's pretty commendable
0: yeah, I agree. And, you know, just when we were rattling off the players that were unavailable, I was just double checking as well, just to confirm against Dina Malkiev and against uh, Armenia Bielefeld yesterday. Marcel Sabitzer was not available. Remember, Snitchell, it was his mistake that led to, I believe, Berg's second goal in the 2-1 loss last week. So a lot of people, when they saw the situation at hand with all of the players that were unavailable, namely Joshua Kimmich, as you mentioned, who... I think we can all agree is so much of a metronome in what makes Bayern's midfield tick. And I know I've said this countless times before on the podcast and in pieces I've written, but when that dual midfield pivot of Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich is torn apart uh, or not playing together for Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich does not play as well. They might still get a result as we've seen, as we've seen, excuse me, against uh, Kiev and Bielefeld, but it's just not quite the same as it is when those two are on the pitch together. And, You know, we thought that this would be a huge opportunity for Sabitzer with uh, Kimmich having to quarantine for at least two weeks minimum as an unvaccinated uh, person. And he really didn't do, you know, do himself any justice with that performance uh, away at Augsburg and was the reason, part of the reason, I should say, it's always a collective effort, but, you know, needlessly ceding possession uh, in his own third for Augsburg. Yeah, I mean.
1: Nothing, nothing pains me more than seeing Zabitzer being pointed out as responsible for a goal. When I was like clamoring for this move, I was so excited when he joined and I really wanted him to do what he's been doing so long at RB Leipzig, which is being the midfield general being so good at those long range shots, controlling the tempo of the game and basically playmaking from every single pocket of space available on the pitch. And, uh, Considering he's been so good for Austria lately, like he has been fantastic for them, it is kind of disappointing to, you know, see him unable to replicate those, uh, you know, uh, that form and, you know, all the the stuff that he does for uh, his country at Bayern Munich. And I can't really put my finger on what the problem is exactly, but I really want him to see, you know, uh, what's, what's wrong here, maybe take tips from Nagelsmann, improve on his attributes and get back to like you know his peak form because we signed him for one reason and that is he's a top notch midfielder and he can form a really good rotation with Goretzka and Kimmich but if he's going to be benched for the rest of the season then this signing just makes no sense in the end so i hope he proves all of us wrong and comes out all guns firing very soon
0: yeah it's almost as if with this situation right all the writing was on the wall okay sabitzer uh, and to Liso, arguably, like this is the perfect opportunity for these two guys, with with Kimick being out for an extended period, because you know we had an English week. We're going to need the rotations. We we don't want anybody running themselves into a muscular injury. In the like I said, all the writing was on the wall for these two guys to step in, and I think that almost added pressure to so was like, okay, this is now a perfect opportunity for you. So you know, don't screw it up, type of thing. And you know, he made one little mistake against Alexberg, and of course he's made other mistakes as well. So he might just mentally kind of be trying to play his way out of, you know, said onus, right. That onus is on him now to perform. He's been signed for several months. Hasn't really impressed too much with what we've seen of him. And, you know, to kind of segue into what I want to talk about next, I think so much of it too, is if you kind of look at it on paper, the amount of situations he's coming into, it's not necessarily always the same personnel, right? I mean, Generally, it is a similar looking other ten players to what he's coming on to. If he's a if it's a substitute situation, or even if it's a, a start, a rare start that he gets based out of necessity, as we've seen uh, this past week and a half with the you know the coronavirus situation at uh, at Bayern Munich, aka FC Hollywood. Uh, but you know, there's just uh, it, I I agree with you. It is very hard to put my finger on, but I don't think it helps his case that he is coming on and playing with different personnel. And so much of you know the midfield is also dictated and vice versa by what's just behind them, Schnitzel. And as we've seen, you know I think I need no name. If he's listening to this now, he might want to cover his ears because we do have to address Julian Nagelsmann's uh, tweaking from a back three to a back four. I know I need no name is a staunch critic of the back three and hates it. It's the bane of his existence. But we've seen it in kind of a makeshift back three from Bayern uh, in these past three matches, Augsburg, uh, Kiev, and-, and Bielefeld. And while I agree with him, it doesn't quite work in the same way at Bayern that it maybe did for him at RB Leipzig or in the past if you'd ever use it at Hoffenheim. You know, just a lot of different personnel. And I think we can both agree that we're really hurting without Nicolas Sula, who has just, you know, unexpectedly become, uh, you know, a fide right-back solution. But because he was unavailable, we had to have Benjamin Pavard in that kind of makeshift uh, right center back role. And you know whether it was Omar Richards, Tangi Nianzu, Luca Hernandez, Diallo uh Benjamin Pavard. We've seen slight variations. Alfonso Davies as well. You know, have to mention him even though he's pretty much always a mainstay. He can he can play on the left of a back three, in my opinion, or as a left wing back. It's not much of an issue. But Schnitzel, what have you? What have you made? What did you see that? Didn't work at all and was glaringly obvious. And what did you see that potentially was was food for thought moving forward that could work if it if it was a back three? Uh, and you know, keeping in mind the wing back situ- situation with that uh, Leroy Sané, Kingsley Coman, who have deputized uh, most often these past three matches.
1: So uh, the one thing that I need no name likes less than a back three is probably <laughs> <Bourgeois laughs> Pavar on the pitch. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so uh, I think it would be a relief to him and many others to see Niklas Zula back and performing again for Bayern at the right-back position. And for me personally, I think, uh, you know, the recent fixtures, Nagelsmann hasn't had much of a choice really. He has had to play Borussia Mönchengladbach at right-back. And we all know that he is more defensively oriented than other Bayern other right-backs. And over the years, we've seen how he is uh, more of a defensive player, and he doesn't venture forward as much. And he did try against Bielefeld, you know, a few times towards the end of the game, but it just isn't sufficient for many Bayern fans for you know that kind of lack of offensive output. As opposed to Davies on the other flank, who just surges up and down the flank and you know contributes so well. He's almost like a second winger, and he is quite possibly the best left back in the world right now. I cannot. Uh, I'm sorry, man. It's not Andy Robertson. <laughs> <You know? laughs> definitely. It's, it's...
0: That's definitely a good debate. And I mean, yeah. it is it is hard to argue against either of those players, but you know, Davies certainly you could stick him wherever it doesn't really matter where he is. He's going to make those recovery runs. He's going to get involved defensively. And Schnitzel, I think just listening to you talk, I think it was you um on the podcast that we had done a few weeks back where you were basically saying for Didier Deschamps and the French national team, Pavard kind of plays there at the right-back spot, because French, France, they don't really have many other options uh, to go with. And I think people often forget, too, that at Stuttgart, Pavard was predominantly a center-back. You know, he didn't often venture yeah. uh, to the right-wing back or the right-back role. I would say that maybe he played on the right of a back three if Stuttgart had ever played that when he was there. But just as you had mentioned, kind of plays there because uh, Deschamps isn't really spoiled for choice at the right-back position for France. And, you know, I, think, I do think people even Bundesliga fans have like a short memory of him most often playing center back at, at Stuttgart.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, Bayern signed him, you know, cons- putting, keeping all that into consideration and making sure that, you know, they have someone who's very defensively stable as well at the right back position. And if, in, if you can recall some of the games we played under Hansi Flick during the 2019, 20 season, Benjamin Pavard was actually really good back then. And as a right back, he did venture forward a lot of times he did chip in with some really good crosses and hit some good goals on the wally, you know. He's pretty good at those things. And uh, he was also rock-solid defensively. So he kind of... I think Hansi Flick's whole approach was based on having that balance in defence. Obviously, it was a high-pressing approach, but Pavard used to drop back when Davies went forward so that it didn't get too lopsided on either flank and, you know, leave two defenders at the, the centre isolated so what happens basically is the game starts out as a back four and this happens also under nagelsmann so it is a back four in a sense but what happens is when davie's ventures forward and this happens against teams that are heavily you know counter attacking football based and the teams that like to sit back soak up the pressure and hit you on the counter like armenia bfl so when you have so much possession right you can go up the pitch you can press you can chip in with some crosses make sure that the team can break. Because those sturdy defences with their backs against the wall, they're very hard to penetrate without those kinds of surges forward. And Davies does exactly that. Nagelsmann has given him free reign to go forward into the opposition third and try to dribble his way through the defence, which he did quite a few times against Bielefeld, registering two shots on target, which is pretty phenomenal for a left back. And uh, what happens is, Luca Hernandez becomes like a temporary left back during that situation. Upamukano becomes the more central of the defenders and Pavak becomes a right centre-back. So this happens to make sure that, you know, Davies surging forward doesn't leave any gaping holes at the back and that the defence, you know, is ready for whatever is thrown at them. Because when you have players like Masayu Okugawa waiting for like the slightest of opportunities to go at Neuer and take a shot, you need the defense to be there ready to chip in with a tackle or with a block and interception. Yeah. And
0: he did have a, a one V one against Noir. It was Which flagged Neuer's, offside, and yeah. He rolled uh, Luca Hernandez pretty easily. And Hernandez, as I had mentioned in the live tweets, I, I don't think he was aware at all that flag was going to go up.
1: I think, no, no, I, I on the contrary believe that they tried to play the offside trap there because it was so clear. It's like, Two feet
0: in the initial phase, but then when uh, Okugawa was right up against uh, Hernandez, he was obviously playing on. There were a few situations where they had a late whistle I was very kind of infuriated with. I, sometimes I don't get that rule at all, uh, especially when it comes to protecting the players, especially the goalie, if it's a 1v1 situation. But yeah, like in that particular phase I was referring to, he might, they might have been going for the offside trap and you know, playing that high line that Bayern like to play, but it was concerning how easily Hernandez got rolled. Uh, subsequently, but even still, Neuer the wall pulled off an amazing save because yeah, it was, was spectacular through and it was
1: a fantastic save. I guess every now and then that you can give it to the defense to let the attackers go through because I mean we have to see some good saves from Neuer, right? Yeah, <laughs> you can't just exactly <laughs> you can't just call him the best goalkeeper in the world and not see him save a single shot in a game. Just you know, he he might as well just bring a tent you know, some snacks and just sit there and watch a game unfold before him and, you know, be unbothered because like usually not forcing saves out of noise, it's kind of a rare occurrence considering the high line that Bayern play and how opponents are usually not very comfortable with striking at Bayern from the get-go. But that being said, uh, coming back to my point, I think Nagelsmann's back four, which morphs into a back three hybrid, is a very fluid one and that it is good for Bayern to be dynamic instead of being very rigid when it comes to tactics. And when Niklas Zulu comes back into the fray, you will see you know, where Nagelsmann is going with all this because now you have two offensive fullbacks. And that kind of changes the scenario a bit because you have Niklas Zulu, who also loves bombing forward. Zulino, Touche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zulinho,
0: Zulinho stepovers. I just have flashbacks yeah. of him
1: doing the Zidane. Uh, roulette move, you know, on the edge of the box. (laughs) And when you have someone of that size doing that, you just don't want to stop them. You know, you don't want to be that person. (laughs) So Zulu on one side, Fonzie on the other. It's going to be two fullbacks, you know, up the pitch, which is going to kind of, you know, put the onus on Upa Makano and Luca Hernandez to kind of be the only defenders on their side. And coming back to the point of the balance, I think Nagelsmann will also instruct Zulu to defend. And that doesn't mean that it's a back three and it's blasphemy or whatever. It just means that Nagelsmann is trying to get the best out of the defense. And we did keep a clean sheet against Armenia, which is pretty commendable considering Bayern are not very good at keeping clean sheets at all. So I would like to see more clean sheets. And if this fluid defense means that, then so be it. Nagelsmann should be free to do whatever he wants, as long as, you know, we keep getting the wins and keep getting the clean sheets.
0: Absolutely. And, it couldn't have come at a better time, as you mentioned, Nicolas Sula coming on just at the end against Bielefeld. I believe he replaced uh, Luca Hernandez, who did receive a booking uh, somewhere in the, I, I'm not even, I can't even remember if it was the first half or the second half now, because I remember thinking to myself, think oh, he's really got to be careful now.
1: It was It was in the second half. I think it was in the 87th minute, because till then he was having a spectacular game, actually. He was doing right. very well. Yes. So I was like, ah, oh, bummer, man. Just had to get a yellow card to kind of tarnish that stellar game because otherwise him and upa they were both so good
0: yeah i'm just getting my wires crossed too because i always remember him going at uh, andre han against uh, alex Berg, and then we were all having a discussion on the slack channel about andre <laughs> han how i kind of oh mentioned he's always that kind of player but anyway we don't want to di- digress too much Schnitzel, because we've got you know we've got a week off here not a week off but a week of training and then the big one lies large next saturday Derek Classicer in Dortmund. And then Schnitzel, it's pretty much English weeks to close out the Hinrunde after that. Barcelona in the Champions League, which is very odd to look at that matchup on paper and say, well, Nagelsmann can make a ton of rotations because obviously we've already clinched advancement to the round of 16 and clinched winning said group because Barcelona is in absolute shambles right now and are basically clawing for life to get out of that group. Uh, But then after that, just uh, a few days later, it's Mainz at the Allianz Arena, away at Stuttgart, uh, and then VFL Wolfsburg at the Allianz Arena to close out the hindrance. So this is a very, very crucial stretch. We're getting Nicolas Sula back at a very cr- crucial time for all those reasons that we just mentioned, you know, and Julian yeah. Augustman's backline, And hopefully we can get uh, Kimmich back in the fray.
1: I mean, Chile I can as I can early already, as a, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I can already hear the Haaland Holland song at the back of my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I, I know <laughs> exactly gone. the
0: one you're talking about.
1: And I, yeah. Like, I know that I
0: I think I shied away from asking Fear of the Wall like where it came from. But yeah, he's back. Got on the score sheet yesterday for Dortmund and Erwin at Volsman. He's a machine. He is going to be yeah. forced to be reckoned with. And he always seems to turn up against against Bayern, but he does also always seem to pick up an injury against Bayern. But obviously Nagelsmann, his coaching staff will have known that Holland is back. I don't even want to I try like to attempt, the, uh, t- attempt to sing Dortmund's- the song right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dortmund's situation is kind of sad because like, without Haaland, they're basically toothless. And it was so painful to watch them in the Champions League. Like one player gone yeah. and they're basically like what? Europa League sides and Europa League hopefuls. In fact, they're not even favorites because that's how they looked against Sporting. They were outplayed. And yes, they were you know, getting red cards here and there, the one against Ajax, the one against sporting It was kind of needless. Uh, But still, you're not supposed to be losing to such teams. I mean, you're Dortmund, and you have to at least make it to the quarterfinals. That's that's what's expected of you if you, you know, at least don't face some other top sides. So it's crazy how, like, missing one player has, you know, downgraded the team so massively in recent weeks. And it is just the kind of, you know, luck that Bayern has, you know, tells you the whole story right before the Classica Haaland is back. and You know, he's ready to pounce on the Bayern defense. And I'm just really hoping, you know, for goodness sake, that the defense is able to pull this one off because it's going to be a very tough battle.
0: And speaking of that, with all the matches I just mentioned, so Barcelona kind of sticks out as that one match where Nagelsmann can perhaps make some rotations, but no, I think I believe,
1: I believe he's going to go for it. I think he's going to go for it. I believe we have to get out the win no matter what. And it has to be, because this could be a very historic thing. I'm not saying that I want Barcelona, the Europa league, but they've never been there right in a long time. So it would be. Yeah. Bayern's going to be the ones creating history here. And since Gerard Piquet and a few other of Barca's players went went on to say that, you know, we're going there to win and those kinds of things, it would kind of be, you know, firstly, disrespecting the opponent if you field a very weak side, you know, with a lot of rotation. And second, yeah. it's against the spirit of the game, especially Bayern's game, when you want to go there, attack, get every single win, especially if you can finish the group stage with six wins and definitely, oh. I'm fingers crossed for the that record. That. Those you know.
0: English weeks, I mean Dortmund, Stuttgart, Mainz, Wolfsburg, that is a tough schedule. So yeah, I, I, I will pose this question to you. So if you're a Nagelsmann, is, assuming they're all available and you know, keeping in mind that some of those game, some of those games are just three, four days after one another, the English weeks. If you're a Nagelsmann, if they're fit, every match are you going Davies, Luca, Upamakano, Sula right across? In the so back line? against
1: against Dortmund, Zula definitely starts. It's Going to be Lucas and Upa Makano at the back. I'm really actually, I'm really scared of Upa versus Haaland. That battle, I just don't want to see it because Upa is not exactly excellent against you know the yeah. heavy set strikers, the more you know physical, uh, yeah. physical strikers, yeah. And Haaland is more on the physical side, so it's going to be very interesting. But I think Luca Hernandez has been brilliant against Dortmund, you know, in recent times. And one game that comes to mind is the Super Cup game, the 3-1 victory, where he was really, really good. So I'm hoping that he goes with Davies, Luca Hernandez, Upamecano, and uh, Zule against Dortmund and Barcelona, both games. And against Mainz, I know Mainz are a very good side and they are su- like massively underestimated in the Bundesliga that's basically almost every other Bundesliga side that's not in the top 10. Like, they, you know, they just kind of, they, they might lose games sometimes, but you never know. Teams like Stuttgart, for example, they might lose games, but they have so much, so many threats, so many amazing players. And because of fantasy, you might also be familiar with some of them, you know, Borna Zosa, for instance. Such yes. a differential player, right? Burkhardt. I and, had
0: Yo- yeah, Jonathan Burkhardt. Yeah, like Jonathan Burkhardt for his good yeah. run of form, which ended on. He's Friday, fantastic. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's
1: one for the future. You know, he's definitely a player to keep your eyes on, uh, especially at that attacking midfield role, especially for Germany. He could be great. So that being said, I would rotate, probably bring in Pavar. I'm sorry, I need no name. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's not gonna be Bunazar, it has to be Benjamin Pavard. We don't have any other options. So, <laughs> and and I know. I need no name would rather roll into a ball and, you know, <laughs> become a traffic cone or something for Bayern Dancy Buonazar on the pitch. He might so, even just
0: say, hell, put Thomas Miller back there. Because he- <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> make Thomas Muller right back, but just don't make Buonazar step on the pitch, man. Seriously. <laughs> that is the general consensus, I think, at this point. So, Benjamin and maybe bring in Tongi Nyonzu one of those games, because when is he going to learn if he never gets the opportunity to start? He yeah. is such a gem, and we don't want him leaving just because he didn't get enough game time. Because that would be a shame. He is PSG's. He was PSG's best young talent when we got him. You know, uh, back. I think it was uh, the summer of twenty twenty, right? Yeah, yeah. And and he was really, really, you know, promising. So I think he should get a start, or at least a substitute appearance in one of these games. And Omar Richards, I want him to start against Mines because. He is solid, man. He, he yeah. is a very good backup.
0: I don't think, a, despite us losing against Alexberg, I don't necessarily think he was he was bad. You know, I, I would say maybe, maybe average. I think we've already discussed earlier that the problems were kind of elsewhere, but uh, that collective performance just wasn't good enough. But Nagelsmann will have to make those tough decisions. Knock on wood. I am actually knocking, if you can hear that, because I am at a wooden desk. <laughs> Knock on wood. No other coronavirus situations pop up where players have to quarantine during this crucial stretch and knock on wood, you know, that uh, nobody picks up a serious injury, but if they do happen, Nogglesman will have to deal with it and we'll have to to move on and, you know, take everything on the chain and move with it. But, you know, I yeah. just kind of wanted to, uh, unless you had something to add to that, I was going to say, we who said, close.
1: who said being a buy-in coach is easy, yeah. but there's, no there's money. one trick. There's one trick Nagelsmann can use and it will always make him a winner. And that is, Read Bavarian football works regularly. Yes, yes, that is it. <laughs> if he that doesn't already key. do
0: that or if he doesn't already have uh, Brazo doing that or yeah. know, somebody, definitely uh, it gets he needs to, to, it and, he needs to keep to
1: someone hit. he needs to keep someone from his assistant uh, uh, team or from his coaching staff only for reading each one of our articles. You know? yes. give him that constant input, just you know, influence his tactics, just take you know, our opinions, our suggestions, and put them into practice. <laughs> and that is a winning formula to for a fine coach. Yes. And we do, we yeah. do
0: have to, we do have to give, I need no name a shout out for correctly. I think twice in a row picking, predicting the correct spot on starting 11 and, uh, beating builds to the punch. I believe, I think they had gotten it slightly off both weeks and he had gotten it correctly. So, uh, milestone moments for, for BFW rarely does it happen where two for weeks sure. in a row we beat all the major tabloids, but. Schnitzel, uh, to end this, we kind of got to address the uh, the massive elephant in the room. You know, we're recording on a Sunday uh, tomorrow. Big, big, big day for a lot of football fans. Uh, laden with controversy, we should say, but we're going to find out who the Ballon d'Or winner is. And obviously, as we know, Lewandowski is one of the top candidates, in addition to Lionel Messi and Karim Benzema. Reports have come out supposed leaks and I'm using air quotes saying that uh the order was Lionel you know, Messi, Benzema Lewandowski. Obviously, we all think that's absolute hogwash. We don't want to believe it, but <laughs> we're gonna find out tomorrow. So Schnitzel, I, I guess I don't even know like what yeah. would the there- uh, specific question to ask, but I just want to hear there isn't any anything- thoughts on
1: this. Yeah, there isn't anything that hasn't already been said, I guess, and everyone knows what I'm going to say, and that is, there is literally just one person that deserves it, and please don't give you that messy crap, Benzema shouldn't even be in the top five, in my opinion, Salah was better than Benzema, and Salah has a better shot at making the top five than Benzema. Benzema has been good for, like, what, like, has been in really good form for two months. Yeah. Like, I mean you don't I, have I been would the say for two months. Yeah. I don't
0: watch a lot of La Liga. I will say to, to Messi's credit, I'm always someone who's been in Team Messi when the argument comes up versus uh, Peak Messi versus Peak Ronaldo. And it, I guess objectively, it is tough, because for a player who has such uh, you know, electric seasons year in and year out, uh, maybe we're a little bit desensitized you know, to the fact that he may have had a lesser season or a lesser year, obviously, because that's how this this is judged year over year, or by year, I should say. Um, so year over year, he might not have had as good of a, of a year as he did the previous years and what we we're used to in his, the peak of his career, but even still, if the, the thing I would pose to Lewandowski and his argument is like, there's like nothing more he could uh, possibly do as a striker to give himself a chance of, of winning uh, the trophy. And let me tell you this: just...
1: if if Messi and Ronaldo, if either one of them had Lewandowski's stats, you know, the past two years, they would be, they would have been awarded the Ballon d'Or in 2020, number one. It wouldn't even have been canceled. That's my opinion. And I think the 2021 Ballon d'Or would also undoubtedly go to one of those players if they had the same stats. Lewandowski yeah, is just constantly underrated season after season. They pick on, you know, it's just him not having as massive a fan base as the other two. Maybe maybe just doesn't get as much recognition. He's been so, so good. I mean, the most goals, the most goals plus assists per 90 and overall, you know, throughout the entire year and the past season. And he's been so good for a Poland side that would struggle in a championship without him. Like. They would struggle in the English Championship, and I'm not exaggerating. They're really bad if you remove Lewandowski out of the equation. So there's not much more. he can. There isn't much he can do aside from, you know, what he's already doing right now. And I think there is no one else who deserves the award more than him. He's already been robbed in 2020. And I know that France football loves robbing Bayern of Ballon You know, Franck 2013, Manuel Noir 2014. I could just go on and on. And this kind of feels really bad in in a way because those are players who absolutely deserve the award. But you cannot have Lewandowski miss out on this one. Like, he absolutely deserves it. And nobody else, uh, you know, has had as big a claim. I mean, what has Messi done the past four months? Could you remind me, please? Like, maybe the past three months. Uh, I
0: think he scored, like, maybe two goals in the Champions League and one in league 1.
1: Oh wow! One goal in league, man! Wow, oh, that's it, a stellar record. He
0: won yeah. the, the uh, Copa America, you know. Finally got his his uh, international trophy. That yeah, you know, it's I like just...
1: a competition that happens once every two years, and you're basically the only team outside Brazil that has a legitimate, you know, shot at winning it. And you can stat pad against Bolivia and Peru or whatever, you know. Just just I mean, compared to Europe. And the Euros, it's not even a debate on which competition is better, and it's not really. Imagine Lewandowski in Germany.
0: Yeah, no, I, like, I was even gonna say like, imagine if Lewandowski had gone to like Real Madrid, or you know, you can't say loyalty because Messi has been with Barcelona forever. But it's like as soon as like the situation got really, really bad, he left, and it seems like uh, you know Ronaldo had done the same thing at Juventus, and when the situation didn't suit himself personally. Uh, he, it's he left madrid for uh juventus right and now he's left juventus not quite working out exactly how he planned at manchester united though he is uh scoring plenty of goals in the champions league and keeping them afloat uh, arguably i think they have one of the weakest groups in the competition itself but you know ronaldo's really not in the discussion this time around it's it's really right just lewandowski messi and uh benzema but you know i i didn't mean no, to put you off there but like no, I just, there's no I just benzema think in it's there a, you know, imagine well, if Lewandowski, if he had said, OK, I don't I see something where I think that, you know, something in the Byron squad is going to prevent me from having an amazing season. So I'm going to try and get a transfer and I'm going to go somewhere else. Not to say that's exactly how it goes down with those other guys. But, you know, they did make those moves and they did wind up going into I mean, maybe not for Ronaldo, Juventus to you, but every time before wind up going into better situations than they were
1: in. Lewandowski that stayed back sense. and he made Bayern a Champions League winner. And that's what defines him as a player. He wins. And uh, also, please don't mention Benzema in the top three again. Please don't do that. <laughs> hey, I'm I mean,
0: ju- mess, uh, message over messenger, man. I'm just I'm just reading can, what was reported. You can do Mo Salah. Like, <laughs> I'm talking
1: either. about personal opinions here. You oh, can man. go Mosala in the top, top three. You can even go Jorginho because, I mean, yes, he isn't the best player in either of his teams. But like he did win two competitions, I would say Angola Conte is up there, you know, top five possibly, and uh, outside of that, even Erling Haaland for how well he's done the past two or three seasons. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, probably Kylian Mbappe for you know what he's doing at PSG. It's, it, I mean, there's a lot of players outside that top two that we can you know push up and down the top five. But for me, Lewandowski is just number one. There should be no debate about it, and. Frankly speaking, if France football messed this one up, I think there's going to be another French revolution. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, frankly speaking, I just don't see any other outcome that benefits their image. In fact, because it's going to be a huge black spot on the entire thing. Because how do you rob a player who is so and this, you know, what I another thing I don't understand about the Ballon d'Or is that isn't it awarded for like a calendar year?
0: Yes. Then yes, why is, is there
1: a confusion, always a confusion between a season, the calendar year, and why does it always end prematurely? So why did the voting stop in October the 24th? Shouldn't they have waited it out maybe till the end of November and considered everything in there? And not just that. Uh, well, if you're saying calendar year, right? Yeah. Look at the stats from January all the way to October the 24th. That includes one and a half or at least uh, two months of the new season, Right. And yes. who has been the best player in the new season? Lewandowski. Yep. It's not even... It, it, a toddler would answer that correctly. So <laughs> if if that's the case, and if that's how it's been the past year, how is this a debate is what I don't understand. Because yes, you have won the Copa America. You have been the top scorer in the Copa and all that. But look at your performances the entire year and what kind of impact you've made on all the teams you've played in. And you see a clear winner. It's not a question for me. So... I know there's a lot of Lewandowski hype, but I really, really wanted to see him get the award tomorrow in the podium. Anyone else? And I'll be, you know, sitting in the corner of my room, just crying, (laughs) fretting. I'll probably throw a few things around, you know, break a few vases or whatever. But it would be really, really demoralizing if that happened.
0: I mean, let's face it, too. The man cleans up immaculately well. I mean, do you know anyone who pulls off a tuxedo better than Lewandowski? No, he, he pretty he, much looks like Sterling Archer, a real life version he,
1: of Sterling Archer. He should be like the, the next James Bond, maybe, you know, he, he probably could be. He probably yeah. could
0: be. He would have to take breaks to eat dessert before dinner, but he could pull it off. And for I don't sure. know if his wife Anna would let him have martinis as often as James Bond does. But <laughs> for, perhaps uh, without alcohol, he could do like uh, virgin martinis or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or you could always just, you know, pose for the drink to be a martini, but not really, you know, they do that a lot in cinema. It's not really a big thing. There you go. I think, I mean,
0: (laughs) if Lewandowski's publicity team is listening right now, I mean, we're just giving them idea after idea and uh, hopefully they give us credit. If any, any of this stuff we just mentioned winds up transpiring because just million dollar ideas right there.
1: If that actually happens, then I'll take you out, you know, somewhere for dinner. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, this will be crazy if that actually happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we can, we can uh, get, like, all types of cuisines, like, to represent every writer from BFW. Uh, Absolutely. So get yeah. stuff from, like, the U.S., from India, from Germany, from yeah, everywhere and, in between. Marcus, he could probably uh, give us some kind of a Swedish dish. I don't even know yes. what a Swedish dish would be, but something, <laughs> something tasty I would, I would surmise
1: yeah and uh for all the regular readers of bfw listening out there if we do that we'll make sure to you know write an article about it put some pictures in there you know engage you with some content because you know we want all of you to take part in you know our celebrations
0: of course of course well schnitzel i I think we all agree Lewandowski has to get it if not france football loses all credibility the shreds of credibility that they do have left and you know, unless you have any other closing comments on that, I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. Just want to thank everyone for listening again. Uh, I know that we're quite the dynamic duo and you're probably massive fans of us. So we appreciate it. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, Stitcher, whatever uh, platform you use to listen to. If there's an intergalactic platform you use definitely let me know i, I want to know if the uh, the aliens are listening to us
1: <laughs> yeah i'm still waiting for the you know for the day when i get a signal or a message from some alien uh, you know probably uh, alien community telling us you know how much they enjoy their podcasts i and have I hope so yeah. much hope
0: that that happens and i really want <laughs> to and i find out about some streaming platform from like you know far off galaxy which yeah would be, which would be absolutely amazing uh, but again, uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all those platforms, which you just mentioned. If you have one from outer space that you know of, please let us know. Uh, you, be sure to follow us at BavarianFBWorks on Twitter. Try to convince Schnitzel to get a Twitter himself. Follow myself at TomTheAdam71, even though I don't really ever use that because I'm always on the BFW uh, Twitter account running things there. But until next time, which will probably be a preview for Dare Classicer next Saturday, off We just saying,